I bring greetings for the new year, so it's really cool, isn't it, to be here? And it's my privilege to um, speak for the first time, for the first message for our year. Really looking forward to a great year in our church, and um, it's also so fantastic to see so many visitors. So I hope that you'll have something to take away with you today. I've been asked to um, teach or speak on the theme of hunger for God, which is what's going to come up on the screen in the moment, because that is the theme that Pastor Tark is looking at preaching on for this month. So we're going to explore hunger for God Uh, with different speakers, with different perspectives and different ideas. So who I am is a mum and a grandmum and a teacher and um, somebody that's involved a lot with a whole lot of different age groups. So I'm going to be talking this morning about what hunger for God is from my perspective. Hunger for God for me is hunger for his word. Hunger for his word that equips us to do what we've been called to do. I've brought a, just a funny little example here. This is, this is a little tiny drink bottle that looks like it should belong to Lola or somebody, somebody little. Actually, she's not little anymore. And I turned up to Darwin with this water bottle last July, which is a really hot season. And my son took one look at it and said, Mum, that's worse than useless. And I thought, oh, fair enough. It probably is. Because it gives you the idea that you've got water, but you've got nowhere near enough. And sometimes our... Um, kind of our level of engagement with the Word of God is a bit like this. It's quite little. And really, to get to where God wants us to be, which is expressing His glory in this community and beyond. Wasn't that awesome to see Global Unlimited? Wow. Yeah? Global Unlimited. Oh, my goodness, look at all those people, Alan was saying to me. Look at all those people. God wants us to be incredibly effective for ourselves and beyond. And so we need more than a little water bottle. We need more than a little lunchbox. We need more than a little bit. So Jesus gave us an example of what it was like to have hunger for God. He was truly man on earth, wasn't he? He was truly man on earth. And he showed us what it was like to actually hunger for food that was not just our natural food. And in this example, there's a great long scripture there. So, you know, I just wanted to give you the context of it. But you could just read the bits in bold if you like. Um, this was the time when Jesus was really tired, really hungry, really worn out. And he said to his disciples, hey, you guys, I'm hungry. Can you go off into the village and find some food? And while they were gone, <clears throat> he sat down by a well, and along came the Samaritan woman. And rather than kind of going, oh, go away, I'm hungry, tired, thirsty, and I'm out of this, you know, I'm having R&R, he started to minister to her. And so he drew out of the well of what he had, of, the, of his understanding of the presence of God, and he was able to speak to her and to minister to her. And he gained huge fruit on that encounter because she ran off to her village and said, hey, this guy knew all about me. This guy was amazing. And when the disciples came back, reading from the top there, in the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. You know, we've come back with all this food. Now you're not hungry. What's the go? But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. 
Therefore, the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? This is odd. Jesus said to, the, to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say there's still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes, look at the fields, for they're already white for harvest. He who reaps receives wages, gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that which you've not laboured. Others have laboured, but you have entered into their labours. In other words, he was saying to them, hey guys, there's a work that's going on around here. I want you to be reapers. I want you to be sowers. And hey, you better catch on that it's not just the earthly food that you need. It's not just what you can go off and get from the village. It's this drawing from this well of the word of God that you need. And so I guess that's something like what Pastor Tark is wanting us to get at the beginning of this year, yeah? He's giving us a, a little bookmark of how to read the Bible in a year. I actually do that each year. I find it a fantastic thing to do. Some days it's a bit of a quick lick at a split. Other times I get in and really study it. But it gives you, it is possible to do and it's, it's great. So I'm going to base my message on being hungry for the Word of God on this passage in 1 John chapter 2. I like drilling down into the Bible and looking for the specifics because I really like to know what I'm doing. I'm kind of a bit of a, a you know, I'm all over the place at times, but I do like to find specifics to help me and guide me. And so this passage here, 1 John chapter 2, you can see there that I've coloured it. There are two kind of two verses, two lines there for each of three age groups. So I'm going to be talking about what it is to be hungry as a child, hunger for God as a child. Now that could be physical children, it could be spiritual children. What it is to have hunger for God as a young person, now it could be you as a young Christian or um, a young person. I think somebody's young, of course the older I get... <laughs> The older I think young people are. <laughs> but I count you as young if you're a teenager and there's heaps of them in the room. Young parents, yeah, those are my kids' age. Young parents, young um, people in business, young people getting hold of their jobs. If you're a young person, there's a whole lot there that the word has to say for you. And then there's a whole bunch of us in the room that I would count as fathers. Fathers and grandfathers, grandmothers, mothers, people who are on the second generation or getting close to the second generation. So there are specific things that God wants us to be hungry for, yeah? If you think about, we've just been camping with um, nine adults and five children under five over on a farm where there's no power or phone. So, you know, it's a bit of an exercise feeding all that crew what they need. Okay, so I had a big camp oven for the buddy blokes that want a whole bunch of meat. You know, the roasts in the camp oven, can't go wrong. But we also had a newborn that was having trouble sucking and needed a breast pump, so we needed an inverter on the truck to sort that out. Yeah, so there's, there's levels of what you need. She needed the milk, the blokes needed the meat. And heck, I could do with less of the meat. It's easy to put on weight in holidays, isn't it? Yeah? Salads for me, hard to keep the fresh 
food fresh. So my point there is that, you know, we all know, we're all family people, that different people need different food. But the, the thing is, it's a, it's a kind of a bit of a corporate thing. It takes a lot of energy to prov- produce all that food on time, but it also takes responsiveness from the people that are being fed. The baby had to cry to, for us to know she was hungry. The toddlers had to go, hey, I need morning tea. Yeah? Anyway, another point. So are we all all right out there? Yeah? All good. Okay, so the first part I'm going to talk about is the children. And again, I want to look at it in two different ways. Physically, um, let's just go back. Keep myself organised here. Can we, you just go back one, John? Yeah, awesome. Okay, so it says, I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. And then, I write to you, little children, because you have known the Father. So when we drill down into the word, why did God say, why did the Apostle John write this, I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake, and I write to you, little children, because you have known the Father. I like to think that that's because those are two key things that little children need to know. They need to know that their sins are forgiven, and they need to know the Father. How many people do you meet as teenagers or older people that are really quite muddled up because they don't know the Father? How many people do you meet who haven't got any concept of their being right or wrong? Or if they have got concept of right or wrong, they get stuck in the fact that they've done wrong and don't know their way out of it. Yeah? So I think that God wrote, I write to you, Father's... um, I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sakes, because that's something really important. And the other one, knowing the Father, is something really important. So let's look at some other scriptures about children. You know, right at the very beginning, the baby stage, 1 Peter 2, verse 2 to 3 says, Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk. My goodness, it was so lovely to be looking after our little Cara and see her craving the milk. Is that a feeding cue, would say my youngest son? Yep, that's a feeding cue. She's craving milk. Head turned, mouth open, lips going. She wants it. No, you can't do anything else. Give it to mum. Okay? What's she trying to do? She's trying to grow up. We weighed her over there, probably the fish scales. No, not quite, I don't think. And she'd grow and Yay! Yeah, she's craving milk because she wants to grow up. If you're a young Christian here, I encourage you to crave the milk and to get hold of some people who look like mothers and fathers in the faith and go, hey, I'm hungry. Yeah, you take responsibility for that. You know, that whole dynamic between the mother and the child is amazing to watch. The coos, the smiles, the, the, the cries, the... Waving of the arms, the holding of the breast, you know, all of those things are cues to get that milk going. And, of course, it's up to the village to make sure that's happening. Right, what do you need? Here's your snack box, okay? Is this chair okay? Um, hang on a minute, we'll hook up the inverter for the, for the breast pump. You know, the whole village is working, the whole whanau is working to make sure that baby's getting fed. How good is that as a church, eh, as a model? How are we looking after 
the folk that come up here and give their hearts to the Lord. It's a relational thing, isn't it? Yeah? It's not just, uh, oh, well, here's the bottle. Go find it, Cara. Hey, I can't walk. Hey, I can't even hold my head up. Hey, I need somebody who's going to care for me, and that's that relational thing. Yeah? My goodness, you should have seen her grinning at Alan in the morning. Relational, eh? Grandfather. Okay, the next thing children really need, which is very evident with our toddlers, <clears throat> Proverbs 22, verse 6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. You can't let them go wild, eh? They need to be trained up. They need the word of reproof. They need the word of encouragement. They need the word of limits and boundaries. No, you can't run on the jetty at full tide. No, you can't jump out of the boat. No, you can't go in the boat without the life jacket. No, you need to sit down while you're eating. There's a whole lot of no's, isn't there? But in, in the process of all those no's, you don't want them knowing the father or the grandfather or the mother or the grandfather as, a, as an ogre. They need to know the father as somebody who loves discipline and love, discipline with care. It's quite an exercise, isn't it? So, <clears throat> life lessons. Deuteronomy 6, verse 6. And these things which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and rise up. How do we, as a church, look after our young children, our toddlers, our primary age kids, our intermediate age kids? Whose responsibility is that? You know, the Bible was written in kind of communal times, wasn't it? Those guys lived in extended households. You know, Alan and I could have just gone camping with our pile of books. I think Alan did. <laughs> went with a pile of books, and I went with a pile of exercise gear. I don't think either of us either read books or exercised because we're too busy helping out these parents with these kids, mainly because we're right on the sea. It's too dangerous. So... You know, I want to encourage us this year as a church, and those of you that are visiting, when you go back to your churches, you know, when your grandparents don't think your job is over, you've got a heap to offer. Yeah, when you're a teenager, an older teenager, and a big brother or a big sister, you can be teaching those little kids really well. These guys have already learned so much. Yeah? It's good to see. It's a communal process. Sharing the word of God, being hungry for God. So when we think, if we go on to the next slide, I'll go back to my first John thing. I write to you little children because your sins are forgiven you for your name's sake. Are we teaching children the difference between right and wrong, the ability to repent when they do the wrong thing, and the ability to be forgiven? That is such lifelong message, isn't it? Isn't that a fantastic thing for a child to learn as a two-year-old? Did you say sorry to Daddy when you biffed that off the edge and you didn't go and pick it up when he asked you? I should have checked that out with my little bloke the other day. Instead, I just led him to pick it up and my son sighed. <sighs> you know, I should have gone the extra mile on that moment and I didn't, but I will next time. Yeah? Just, just reflecting on how we cope are we teaching our children that their sins are forgiven? 
because that will set them free for the rest of their lives. Are we teaching our children to know the Father because we're modelling the Father to them? When they cry, we don't leave them. We, we comfort them. We're always there for them. We protect them. We guide them. And we keep extending them to something that's more exciting and, and out there so they can grow up as well. Yeah, quite a good challenge, isn't it? Kids hunger, 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 crave to grow up. So our next stage, let's look at our, um, if we stay on that slide there, I want to talk about the young men. So you young blokes and young girls, I write to you young men because you've overcome the wicked one. I have written to you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. How many of you have got kids that have been into sport? You've been into sport yourselves, yeah? How many of you know that if you're going to be into sport, you've got to be into diet? Yeah? So one funny photo, we have a WhatsApp and send photos backwards and forwards between us because we have kids scattered around the show. And our son in Darwin um, decided to do an Ironman I actually did a half Ironman event this year, but he's very competitive. So he was going to do it really well. I do it just to finish. He does it to be up there, yeah? So he sent, his wife sent a picture of his lunch and her lunch. Her lunch was one little lunch box. His was a whole tower of stuff, all right? Because he was burning up so much energy, training, running, swimming, biking, he needed all this food to fuel that. One of our other sons was um, training when he was about 19, 20. He was trying to get into the Northland rugby squad as a hooker. He was born little, and they wanted him to be 100 kgs, and he sat at about 93. So, oh my goodness, did we all have to know how to cook to get somebody who was 93 kilos up to 100. Now, it couldn't be any old food, it had to be protein, or mashed potatoes, actually, for recovery, so we learned. Okay, so that whole effort of producing the right food to get the right muscles to be strong as a hooker, but also he had to be fast. Those were two things. So he dieted for that. So in other words, I hope you're hearing the word effort here. To be a young person and to learn to be who God wants you to be takes effort. Now, it takes a bit of effort as a baby. You've got to do that crying and that, you know, turning your head and letting people know you're hungry. But if we go on to the next slide, when you're a young person, a young man, young woman, you've got to start putting some effort into it because it's going to be meat. Now, meat has got lumps in it, it's got sinews in it, it's got bits of fat, sometimes a bit of string if it's a rolled roast. You've got to attend to what's going on when you're eating, okay? You can't just suck it. You can't just swallow it. It's got to be eaten. So in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 13 to 14, it says, Solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. So you young guys, don't expect it to be easy, 
And I know you know it isn't easy, because I see you most days when we're not on holiday. It's not easy. Life's not easy. It's not easy to train to do a big event. It's not easy to eat the kind of food that God wants you to have to actually produce good stuff in your life. Yeah? So it's a case of digging in and starting to study and training yourself to distinguish good from evil. Should I be going this way? Should I be going that way? Should I do this? Who am I? What you chew on, what you swallow, is what you become, right? Yeah? So, sometimes in that young person stage, I remember when Ellen and I were a lot younger, obviously, you know, you kind of go, oh, gosh, what's this all about? But as you study, as you see it, as you work it out, you find scriptures that really give you the key And later on, when you look back, you go, oh, it's actually who I am now. Hospitality is the one I always use as an example because I was useless at it. Terrible. Just to get into a flat spin if anybody was coming for lunch. (laughs) So I prayed. I actually got up on the altar and said, Lord, please help. It says, you know, to be given to hospitality. I'm not given to it. I'm shocking at it. Now I'm given to it. You could come, turn up any old time, and I could produce a meal, and I'd love it. Love to see you. All right? Now, that was a work of grace, not a work of me. Okay? Definite work of grace. It was me getting hold of the word, getting hold of prayer, actually sorting it out. Wisdom, the word applied. Young people, young Christians, young men, young parents. Hebrews 6, verse 14 says, Faith without works is dead and does not profit us. Can't go around life with this little water bottle, little lunchbox, thinking, oh yeah, I know a few scriptures, I know God died for me, that's good, I can quote John 3.16, I can quote, you know, the one about there being a future and a hope, yep, I can quote that one, I can quote a couple of others, yeah, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, yeah, mm, Psalm 23 maybe, mm, that's about my limit, Um, would you be surprised I read, as part of my study, I read a whole thesis that somebody did about Christian schools in Australia. And do you know that even in a Christian school, which is supposed to be founded on the Word of God, the veneer of the Word that was applied in those schools was really, really thin. Yeah, so it's not, you know, can't take it for granted. Okay, got to get in there and dig. Faith without works is dead. Think you know it, not doing it doesn't profit us. James chapter 1, verses 19 to 27. Hearing without doing is self-deception. Bit tough, eh, guys? I just wanted to encourage you, (laughs) believe it or not. Just want to encourage you to actually dig in there, get a hold of your Bible. Anything that's hassling you, find out what the Word says, and then you'll be able to stand on it. Anything you're curious about, find out what the Word says, then you'll be able to stand on that. Yeah? The last one there, it says, the word of testimony, the word tested. We could have used Jesus' example there, couldn't we? Jesus was tried and tested. What did he do? He quoted scripture. He knew the scripture to quote back to the enemy. I chose this one here, Revelation 12, verse 11. They overcame through the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. So many of us have got testimonies. Well, I was a bit. I was struggling here, but God showed me 
da-da-da, and now I'm strong in that area. Where we are weak, he makes us strong. Okay? So it's our testimony. We can say, right, I've got that sorted. Yay. Don't have to go back on that one. Cool? I want us to think about our church as a community, though. When we look at this issue of young men and young women, you know, we have young men and young women in our midst, but we have a whole host of young men and young women who are here sometimes, but not all the time. Now, being in church isn't necessarily the be-all and end-all, but it is certainly a sign that God is doing some good stuff in people's lives. So just like the whole issue of it taking a village to raise a child, a baby, it also takes a whole village to support young people. It took a whole village for us to mind those, uh, how many did we have? Four of our kids who are in their 30s who are managing these young babies. It took a whole village of us. I'm minding these ones. I'm taking them off for a walk. You can have a rest. Huh, I can have a rest. Yeah, off you go. Um, I'm doing such and such. You don't have to cook this time. We're doing this. You know, how about I do this for you? You know, and then sitting around in the evenings, just chatting and talking about the day, a lot of encouragement. Yeah, people need a lot of encouragement. A couple of... Um, one daughter-in-law feeling really quite down, two other daughters-in-law in there chatting away, saying, well, this is what we did and this is how it worked for us. You know, how, how can we develop more community like that? Church is whānau, yeah? Church is, is relationship. Church is just coming alongside somebody and saying, how's it going? Sometimes even as simple as that is really, really helpful. It's really, really supportive. It's really, really honouring. My daughter has tried to teach me for years to ask good questions. <sighs> okay, I'm learning. <laughs> you know, Mum, stop talking so much and ask some questions. Okay, I will. All right. Did I do it better that time? Yes, Mum, you did. Great, learning. So, you know, just sit and talk ask questions, how is it for this person? It's very different from how it is for me. It doesn't take organisation to do that, you know. It just takes you noticing somebody, just going and making that connection. Some of the most productive relationships in my life have been ones that just happened on the spur of the moment. Just saw somebody looking lonely, just saw somebody waiting for a bus. Those are... I can say those are two absolutely major relationships in my life where I just made that connection. Hi, how's it going? Whew, that's tough. I don't know how to handle that. Oh, my goodness, I'll take you to somebody who can. That was my girlfriend, Linda, who is now in charge of the Christian Teachers College and so forth in Tanzania where we went to work. That's where I met her. Her father had just been killed as a missionary. It was way out of my league, totally out of my league. But God used me to just say g'day to her. She was a mature Christian, brought up in a Christian home. I wasn't. I was just brand new. But just making that link, making that connection. So I just want to encourage us as a, as a church whānau to, to do that more. We see mums and dads and kids. We see the youth. You know, they're awesome people. 
can vouch for them. Fantastic. They'll value your conversation and they'll enrich you. Yeah, so I really encourage you on that. So if we go on ahead back to our, our um, key scripture again, can you see? Um, I write to you, young men, because you've overcome the wicked one. When you get the meat, when you apply the word, when you discover your testimony, you overcome the evil one. Yeah? Now, when we think about the parable of the sower, what was the evil one trying to do? He's trying to get us all distracted by the cares and worries of the world. Oh, NCA. Oh, money. Oh, career. Oh, performance objectives. Oh, my goodness. So much going on relationships. Oh, the evil one plucks from us and destroys our potential in God if we don't get in there and chew on that word. The last lines there in green, I think, are they? Yep. I've written to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you've overcome the wicked one. Okay, God wants us to be strong, people. Looking forward to being strong in 2019? Yeah. Man, last year I trained for quite a long time for an event. I was way stronger this summer. It's really worth it, eh? It's a lot of hoo-ha getting up in the morning and getting to the pool or getting to the, getting to the gym or whatever. Like, oh, can't be bothered. Yes, you can. Get up. The fruit of it was quite cool. It's like, oh, I can do this. Gives you stamina. So I really encourage you, young people, as you, young Christians, as you front this year, 2019, how can you, you know, that training required a discipline and it required a timetable. What kind of timetable could you give yourself to get into the Word of God? And don't make it a solitary exercise either. Where could you get together and share the Word between you? You could initiate that, you know. I'm sure Lincoln and Emma will, but you could too. Okay, my, so my last crew here is fathers, so let's just read the ones in blue. We'll stay there, thanks, John. I write to you, fathers, because you've known him who is from the beginning. And John repeats that. I've written to you, fathers, because you've known him who is from the beginning. Now, I guess he was writing to people who actually knew God right from the beginning of, of their faith because John was the one who sat closest to Jesus, wasn't he? So he's literally talking to people who knew Jesus from the beginning when he arrived, when they were working with him. But I think it applies to us who are fathers, grandfathers, grandmothers, mothers. I write to you fathers because you've known him who is from the beginning. Now, I want to encourage two young people young parents and so forth, who have known Christ all your lives, or you are already strong, you can be a father or a mother as well. Yeah, It's not physical age dependent. I write to you fathers because you've known him who is from the beginning, speaks to me of a whole heap of experience. Okay, we've already walked with God, we've already seen him work, we've already worked with him, we've achieved a fair amount, some of us, with him. Okay, so if we go on, John, let's look at the... I've picked out four things for this, this crew. 
So fatherhood, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4 verse 15, you have many teachers but not many fathers. I begot you in the gospel. You know, there's a whole host of people that will tell you what to do, but how many people are there around who will sit beside you and walk you through? Okay? If you are a father, if you have developed, if you've been around with God for a long time, you can sit alongside others and help them through. Now, I'm looking at young people in the room who do that. I've seen them. They can sit beside other people and do that. I'm looking at adults who do that for others too. All right, so it's that key. Have we got that spirit of the Father in us? Are we willing to relate to others? Are we willing to share with others? Are we willing to take the load? We, we will see this church blossom, this community grow. We will see amazing transformation the more fathers we have. Look at the influence of Paul's life, and he was able to say he was a father in the faith. So I'm thinking legacy. When I look at Ellen and I and a whole bunch of us that are kind of retirement age, we kind of go, yeah, is this it? No, it's not. It's time to multiply and to go on further. Deuteronomy 6.2 says, Obey the Lord so that you, your children and their children may fear the Lord as long as you live by keeping his decrees and commands that I give you and so that you may enjoy life long life. The key is us. What are we doing to share with the next generation? Look at someone like Elsie. Oh my goodness, Elsie. Amazing. Surrounded by people, absolutely steadfast in faith. Yeah? Her kids are so blessed to have her around. Her grandkids, her great-grandkids are so blessed to have her around and the influence in their lives. Yeah? It's her legacy. It's that whole crew coming up behind her. Exploits. Don't think it's over, guys. You don't retire, you refire. That's what I'm believing anyway. Don't retire, refire. Still got some energy left. Daniel 11.32. Those who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Have we finished transforming the north with the gospel? Nope. Okay. Have we finished seeing God move? Nope. Oh my goodness, I remember back in the days when we were starting the secondary part of Abundant Life, believing that it would work and kind of going, yeah, I think I can do that. Yeah, put my foot out. Is this me or is it God? Um, off I went to college for a few years, thought, oh my goodness, we can certainly do this. Back I went, refired. Okay, we can do this. Can we do NCA, well, yes, we can. We have two kids in the top in the nation. Can we do year 13? Yes, we can. Now, all that kind of can we, can't we, can we, can't we, is this God or is that not, that's history to me now. So the next thing we want to do, of course we can, because we know God behind us. Of course we can. We've done it before. God was with us. We can do it again. So I just really encourage those of us who are, kind of the mature age, getting there, even if you don't feel like you're particularly old, but you feel like you're past that young, getting the hang of it age, start to dream. That's my bit at the bottom there. Start to dream. What else could God do in this community? What else could God do with us? Because as we step out, as we start moving ahead, we create this huge space behind us.
which is what has happened with us, many of us, back in the days. Yeah? We don't have a massive, well, reasonably big school because we went, it's not going to happen. It happened because we said, yeah, it will happen if we work hard enough. So, with God. So I just really want to encourage us as a community, to each one of us, take responsibility. Be fathers, feed others. Be mothers, feed others. Be a young person that's fighting through. You know, this is tough. I'm not giving up. Think of it as training for an amazing event. Think of it as pushing through to get through something. You're going to become overcomers. You can do it. You will do it. It's been done before. It will happen. You know, find some hope. Find some faith. Find some love. Above all, find the word, and you will be able to do it. really want to encourage you in that, and I want to really encourage us as a community. So if we scoot ahead to my last slide... Next one, thanks, John. I just want to um, dwell on this moment, for this idea for a moment, as we draw to an end here, that satisfying hunger does take a community. It does take a community. You know, I've been talking to individuals, really, and individuals, you take responsibility. I'm hungry. Stir up your appetite as individuals. Am I happy with the outcome? of my life? Mm, Am I happy with my level of fitness? Think of it physically. Am I happy with my level of fitness? No. Good. Change your diet, change your activity. Am I happy with the fruit, the spiritual fruit of my life? No. Good. Change your diet, change your activity. Simple, isn't it? Just takes a lot of work, but it's simple and it works. It works, it works, it works. I do it every year. Yes. Oh, my goodness, I put on weight again. Right, change my diet, change my activity. What am I going to do this year? Yeah? Spiritually, change my diet, change my activity. What are we going to achieve? So it takes a community. You know, this whole thing of being a baby, being a young man, being uh, a father, all of those are reciprocal relationships, aren't they? So I just want to encourage you in that. Develop that sense of reciprocity. Find other people. Encourage other people. It involves serving other people. That that concept of manakitanga is serving others, empowering others, getting alongside others, providing for others, being hospitable for others. We don't need structure to do that. We just need people connecting. We will develop structure, more and more of it, but meanwhile... It it works together. Planning, resourcing, care. Take somebody to catch the fish, smoke the fish, gut the fish, cook the fish, serve the fish. Take somebody to find the meat. Get the meat in the freezer. Put it in the camp oven. You know, there's a whole lot of activity that goes around feeding a church community and a natural community. I encourage you this year to find your niche. What are you good at? Find something you're not so good at, find the word and become good at it too, yeah? Share in the responsibility of this place. And if you're visiting, I hope you go back a little bit refired to perhaps find a church if you don't go to one. Go and hang out a bit. See, can I contribute to this community? Don't just think, what will this community give to me? Think, 
Is there a space in this community for me to give? How could I do that? What, what, what would achieve something this year for God? His purposes are eternal. His fruit is eternal. We're going to benefit and other people are going to benefit. Now just as I um, wrap up here, I just want to uh, speak to those of you that might be new or might not be Christians at all. And I want to just really encourage you that today could be your day to actually connect with the amazing food, the amazing life that Jesus is. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. When we come to him, he is the bread of life. He satisfies us like nobody else can. Yeah? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and I am the bread of life. So as you look forward to this year and you go back into your situations, maybe your work, maybe your family, maybe your home, I want you to give the op- want to give you the opportunity this morning to be sure that you're going back with him. Because going back with him will transform your lives. Will transform your lives. So Is there anybody who would like to do that this morning? Just say, well, I'm going to give this a go. I'm going to try and connect to Jesus, the bread of life. I'm going to be able to pray the Lord's Prayer. Perhaps you'd better have the musicians up, um, Emma. Am I able to pray the Lord's Prayer where it says, "Give give us this day our daily bread? It's going to be more than something I just parrot off. Is it something that's going to mean something to me that I can actually know that I can connect with God? I just want to give you that, inc- that opportunity now. Is there anybody that would like to do that?